I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, August 8th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. All right, Peak Pals, back from the long weekend. In case you missed it, over the weekend, there was some big news. Officials from Hannah, Alberta, have taken down a sign declaring the town is the home of Nickelback, setting the dangers of fans pulling beside the highway to take photos. How ironic, after this bus over some photographs, which is also the name of a very popular Nickelback song. Jay, are you a Nickelback fan? Do you have his favorite song? No, I don't. Not a Nickelback fan. And I know it's its meme unto itself, but I feel like the town should take pride and maybe move the sign to a safer place if it actually puts them on the map literally and figuratively, no? Yeah. I think they probably will move the sign. I am a fan of Nickelback. I'm not a huge fan, but I'm a fan for sure. I remember How You Remind Me came out when I was in grade five. I vividly remember it. I still know all the lyrics today, and it's one of the best karaoke songs that you can perform in my own personal opinion. But Brett, my hometown does have a music thing like this too. If you grew up in the western suburbs of Boston, you will know that a bridge over Route 9 in Natick, Massachusetts, there used to be a graffiti sign that said Aerosmith Rocks Natick. Yeah. So we would meet other kids from around the area back, like, oh yeah, Aerosmith Rocks Natick. So I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Hannah, Alberta in this case, because Aerosmith Rocks Natick. So I feel like we are kindred spirits on such things. Brett, aside from this weird start to the podcast, what do we have for Peak Pals today? Okay. Well, for our first story, are big sporting events worth it? For our second story, locations are booming. And for our last story, a major energy breakthrough. For our first story, with one year to go until the 2024 Paris Olympics, the event's budget has already ballooned to over 8.3 billion euro, up from an estimated 6.8 billion euro, which were the initial costs. So our question is, Brett, are the games worth it? So here's just driving the news. Olympic Games games have long gone over budget. An Oxford study found that on average, the Olympics have exceeded their initial budgets by 172% since 1960. But new this year is heightened scrutiny over whether or not this overrun is palatable. The economic benefits of the Olympics, including tourism, sponsorships, etc., are murky, and the games are increasingly looking like money sinks rather than money gains. Since the organizing committee's claims over half of the TV revenue that's the big money, cities can really only generate more revenue by raising ticket prices. Now to zoom out, the Commonwealth Games are in a stickier situation. Australia's state Victoria was supposed to host the 2026 edition, but said no thanks after the budget swelled from 1.7 billion US to 4.77 billion, which the premier called, and this is a quote, all cost and no benefit. Which brings us to last week when Alberta withdrew its support for a bid to host the 2030 Games for similar reasons, with the tourism minister saying it's not a good deal for Alberta. Plus, money isn't everything, really, Brett. The Olympics have always been pricey, but came with a cultural cachet that has diminished thanks to humanitarian criticism, environmental concerns, and frankly, rampant corruption. A poll published in the French newspaper Les Echos found that 48% of respondents are indifferent to the Paris Olympics, and 32% are even skeptical. Aren't Parisians indifferent to everything? Isn't that kind yeah, of a good point? Just kidding. And it matters because the combo of financial burdens and waning interest could cripple future events. The Olympics received just one bid to host the 2032 Summer Games, and this will be the second straight Commonwealth Games that need an emergency replacement host. I think we're one Olympic Games away from hosting all of them in Saudi Arabia. For our second story, thinking of extending the long weekend without taking time off, work, well, you're not alone. Here's what's driving the nude. News, not nude. Workcations or working vacations are a new phenomenon gaining traction in an open world of work options. This is according to the Financial Times. 
One study found over a quarter of working Canadians and 38% of Gen Zers plan to take a workcation last year. Employees can now extend trips, vacation with their kids, and escape the office while staying on top of work. It can even spur productivity and creativity per Deloitte. It matters because as tensions around remote work arrangements mount, employers are offering the freedom to travel as a compromise. It's also a way to gain an edge in a competitive labor market without offering higher salaries or more non-work vacation time. Thomson Reuters and Google give workers four to eight weeks of work from anywhere time a year, while others even offer a stipend to cover expenses. Well, that'd be nice. Just a hint to the peak bosses. Yes, but not everyone can head to the beach with a laptop in tow. Junior employees are often less likely to have the flexibility or finances to make such an arrangement work, and even high-earning executives can run into connection troubles in their Bahamian villains. You know, Jay, this is a direction from me, your boss. You can work anywhere you want. Don't worry about it. The bottom line is, before you jet off on a workation, do your research. Immigration rules, tax applications, and time zone differences could end up impacting your trip. For our third and final story today, there's nothing like waking up after a long weekend to learn that while you were busy throwing small beanbags onto a wooden board for points, scientists were actually making history. Yeah, it's not a great look for all of us relaxation folks. Scientists have achieved net energy gain in a nuclear fusion reaction for the second time, marking progress towards harnessing a new sustainable energy source. After 70 years of trial and error, scientists have harnessed the same type of energy that powers the sun through a fusion reaction that created more energy than it actually used. The creation of net new energy is called fusion ignition, which in this case reportedly produced energy 3.5 megajoules to power a household iron for about an hour. Here's the quote from the Financial Times. Fusion reactions emit no carbon, produce no long-lived radioactive waste, and could power a house for hundreds of years. It matters because breakthroughs that bring scientists closer to a near limitless safe and clean energy source are the kind of things that people should really actually get excited about rather than building another decentralized social media app or the next Uber for X or X itself. Speaking (laughs) of which, Jay. If if you use it like that in a sense, you're going to get sued. Yeah. But... We won't be building fusion power stations anytime soon. The potential is exciting, but hurdles to overcome include creating much stronger and more frequent reactions. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you, Brett, and have a good short work week, Peak Pals. Oh.